this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. So here we are with our guest, Christine Cummelford. Thank you for being here, Christine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. This month, we're focused on the idea of building and developing one's tribe, essentially how to build a culture that successfully navigates change and grows people, um, essentially their tribe. They want to thrive in a good environment. They want to uh, work in what you refer to, Christine, as a smart state, which is something we love. So we're truly excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Our podcast features a great leader that provides key insight into our leadership topic for that particular month. This month, we're focusing on developing your tribe and the power of it. TJ and I were inspired um, by your book, Smart Tribes, and your most recent work, Power Your Tribe. So much of your work speaks, speaks to us as educators and our audience who truly understand that the right environment is critical for success. So we're very impressed with your insights and really your unique ability to merge neuroscience with practical, actionable ideas for leaders. So TJ, why don't you tell our audience more about Christine? Sure thing. Thanks, Joe. Um, our guest this month is Christine Comerford. Christine's coaching, consulting, and strategies have created hundreds of billions of dollars in new revenue and company value for her clients. The potent neuroscience techniques she teaches are easy to learn and immediately applicable to help leaders see into their blind spots, expand their vision, and more effectively influence outcomes. Here are some highlights. Christine was recently named one of the top 50 human behavior experts to follow in 2017 and one of the global employee engagement influencers in the same year. As an entrepreneur, she has built and sold five of her own businesses with an average of 700% return on investment. She has served as a board director or an in-the-trenches advisor for 36 startups and has invested in over 200 startups, including Google. She has consulted to the White House for both Clinton and Bush. She has consulted with 700 of the Fortune 1000 companies and over 300 small and medium-sized businesses. She has repeatedly identified and championed key trends and technologies years before market acceptance, due in part to her work as a sophomore software engineer in the early days of Microsoft, Apple, and Adobe. Christine is a leadership column, columnist for Forbes, and she's a lecturer at the Harvard Business School. She's appeared on Good Morning America, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, Fox Business Network, PBS, CNET, and the Stanford Graduate School of Business has done two case studies on her unconventional rise to success as a woman with neither a high school diploma nor a college degree. Her three best-selling business books are Power Your Tribe, Create Resilient Teams in a Turbulent Time, Smart Tribes, How Teams Become Brilliant Together, and Rules for Renegades. Okay, Christine, let's talk about this idea of building a culture 
that allows people to thrive in the workplace. You write about leaders developing a cultural game plan to meet mm. people's needs. How can leaders best assess their culture to increase employee engagement? We want to hear anything that you might say about leadership, understanding people, and maximizing productivity. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. So, so guys, we have to first understand and assess where we stand. So whether it's leadership that you're working on or culture or even sales and marketing, we follow three steps. First is assess, understand the state of the world, then act, create the action plan, and then you're going to get the ROI. So grab your pencil, everybody, or fire up a new Word doc. Here are the 10 questions that you have to ask to understand the emotional experience of your culture. When you send these out in a survey, be sure to have a unique link for each department so you can understand the emotional experience of each department. The questions I'm going to tell you in a second will help you determine the level of safety, uh, certainty, freedom from fear, knowing that our leadership has our back, belonging, feeling connected, feeling like we have equal value, understanding that we fit in, and mattering, knowing that we are acknowledged and appreciated for our unique contributions. When we have safety, belonging, and mattering, we can create that rich, thriving, potent experience of tribe. We can be devoted to our organization, feel loyal. Here are the 10 questions. When you guys do a survey, everybody be sure to put a comments field because you want to get the gold in the comments for each of these. First question, it's safe to try new approaches, to innovate, to be vulnerable, to share my ideas at work. Second question, when I make a mistake, I am corrected with respect and the desire to help me improve. Third, I have the tools and resources necessary to perform my work at my best ability. Number four, I understand the expectations of me and my performance. Number five, I trust my team members and colleagues to support my and the company's success. Six, I'm motivated by and find meaning in the company's mission, vision, values. Seven, I receive acknowledgement and appreciation at work. Eight, I have a career development path that the company supports me in. Nine, I feel I matter to the company. I'm making a difference here. And then 10, would you refer your friends to work at your company organization? Here's the thing. The first three questions are on safety. Second three questions um, kind of uncover the experience of belonging. And the third three questions are for mattering. And then, of course, the final question is just a net promoter. You know, would people refer people here or not? If you put 10 points, 10 possible points on each of these, you're going to get a very easy score, right? It's a scale of 100. Then you'll know what your employee engagement score is. From this data, you're going to create your cultural game plan. We talk a lot about this in Chapter 8 of Power Your Tribe. We show you exactly how to unpack what we call an SBM index, the 10 questions I just gave you, safety, belonging, mattering. The cultural game plan stands for growth, appreciation, measurement, it is a business, we have to measure results, and engagement. We take the results from the Safety Belonging Mattering Index, we understand what we need most in what department and what in our organization overall, we then go to Chapter 8 in Power Your Tribe, we go up to PowerYourTribe.com, we get all the tools and the resources, all of the assessments you're going to need are on SmartTribesInstitute.com, and from there, we create the cultural game plan and we boost the experience of engagement. Thank God it's Monday, et cetera. Questions. <laughs> I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, that's incredible. I, I, from our perspective, the questions really get to the heart 
of understanding where people are. I, I really love uh, question four personally, Christine, this, do I understand the expectations? TJ, that's something he and I talk about quite a bit where people are at a loss. So when you tie that into the belonging and seeing where, you know, I'm unclear on my expectations because sometimes the leader's fearful of giving candid feedback, of providing good, useful information to help the person and the organization move forward. Um, so no, this all resonates on many different levels. How do you then say the, the leader, the manager of that particular area, which I also love how this is particular to certain divisions and areas within in a company and not wholesale. Mm. What if the leader, Christine, is unequipped or ill-equipped to handle the feedback? This is where coaching comes in. And everybody, and I have two coaches right now. I've always had a coach. That's how I've had the success I've had. This is where having an executive coach or a leadership coach, a culture coach makes all the difference in the world because we can't see into our blind spots, Joe. We can't, you know, that's why they're called blind spots. So when we get help, uh, when we do an assessment and everybody on smarttribesinstitute.com, click on the resources menu, there's a leadership assessment too. So as a leader, you can check your degree. This is just what you said a second ago of focus, clarity. Is your communication clear? I mean, are people getting clear directives? Focus, clarity, accountability, influence, and sustainability. Are you burning yourself and others out? So once we do an assessment for our culture, and then we go to smarttribesinstitute.com, go to the resources section, grab the assessment for the leadership, then we can go, whoa, I've got some blind spots. That's why the SBM index had these results. I need to get a coach to help me navigate through because sometimes there's a um, capability challenge, which you might be alluding to. Sometimes the person is just sort of, they've reached their peak and they, they aren't comfortable stretching further. And if they don't want to grow, then that's a, that's a situation of let's find them a different role. And other times just, Hey, they really want to do a great job, but they just need new tools. That's fantastic, Christina. And we will certainly make sure we link, um, in this podcast in the show notes to all of those resources so our listeners can easily find them and make them readily available. Um, let's, let's get into this, uh, our notion of the, the five one thing series leadership questions. And this is designed for our listeners to take nuggets away. We just find so much in our busy lives that people want actionable items and nuggets. So mm -hmm. with, with that, um, who is one person or group you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? Okay. Not to be a pill, but my answer is <laughs> human beings. They're <laughs> everywhere, which is awesome. They're full of inspiration and wisdom. If you simply pay attention, I have what I call a sensei, like a teacher of the day. And every day I'm looking for who is it who is showing me something profound or helping me see something different. And if you're not having that sensei moment of the day, use this tool. We call it the feedback frame and have people do it with you. Do it with them as well. It's only two statements. The whole feedback sandwich thing is a bad idea. You're awesome, but you're not awesome here, but you're awesome because I feel weird giving you feedback. Okay. Not helpful. The brain's like, what? Am I awesome or not? Instead, what's working is you're super accountable. I love the way you always get your stuff done on time. 
totally can rely on you. What I'd like to see more of is if you could collaborate really richly with marketing like you did with operations last quarter, that would change everything in this particular way. What's working is, what I'd like to see more of is. Stop talking, let them process. Well, we certainly love that and we love frameworks. So anything that we can um, frame up for the listeners to uh, be able to use, and those are great sentence stems um, for going deep into some candid feedback with folks, both in terms of praise and corrective action. When you talk about teacher of the day, I really love that concept and this idea of human beings and getting your inspiration from, from everywhere and anywhere. Do you have a ritual that you go through in part of your day to find that person? Is it the night before? Is it the day before? How do you, how do you uncover um, the resource itself? And is there a space that you use uh, both in terms of time and um, actual space to dig into the resource. Ah, good, thank you. Um, yeah, so, so TJ, it's, for me, it's really the getting still. It's getting still each morning. So I practice meditation each morning. And guys, even if it's five minutes of just slowing your mind and getting still and looking at the space between the thoughts, because what you focus on does expand. So you can just watch your thoughts drift by and focus on the ma. In Japanese, loosely translated, that means uh, pause. The pause between spaces, the pause between musical notes, the pause between breaths. Start to notice throughout your life those little pauses. It's a very cool mindfulness practice, and that helps raise your awareness overall and become more present overall, I don't look for the sensei. I swear to God, you guys, they just pop up mm. because I am paying attention and being more mindful. That's fantastic. I mean, that's very profound. And I think is sometimes if we just stop uh, to smell the coffee, we something comes to us. I mean, Joe and I have been big fans of, of running and finding our way into nature. And we've oh. gotten a lot of ideas that way when things seem to be closed off and we open up the space, it opens up our minds. So thank you for that. Mm. Um, our next question is, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Well, this is awesome because we just did the answer. Yeah. yeah. So my answer is meditate, stop, or at least slow down your thoughts. Nature is awesome because as you guys know, right, nature is like instant meditation. <laughs> You get out of nature and you're just like, ah. the incessant barrage of repetitive and often useless or fear-based thoughts that we all have is just more clutter that we don't need. So I don't know if you guys are aware of the stat from NSA.gov and also from Wayne Dyer's research, but human beings have 60,000 thoughts per day on average. And here comes the shocker, 90% of them are repetitive. What? So what if we just thought some of those thoughts once, like, oh, you should have go to the grocery store. And then we opened up our phone and we set an appointment to go to the grocery store, right? Then we don't have to think about it anymore. You know, or if we think, oh, I need to buy milk, put it in your phone and like, stop thinking about it. Um, when we can start to slow down those thoughts, that's when all the inspiration comes. That's when the beauty and the open space comes. I'm in awe of the, the slowdown for inspiration. Before we get to our next question, I do want to ask a follow-up. We, we have found that many successful people follow a morning routine. 
Do you have a, a strict morning routine outside of meditation to start your morning, to start it off right? Um, is that something that you could share that you do that sure. successful habits? Totally. Okay. So, so um, I get up at six and then I have um, tea with my husband and my dog and um, just kind of get that nice bonding time. And then I meditate, excuse me, then I eat breakfast, a light protein shake, that way I can work out on it. Protein shake, then I meditate, and then I go work out. And then, um, and I find just working out every day is awesome. I really work, I, I really like to exercise six days a week. Um, seven if, I, if possible, if I'm traveling, hey, you know, I do my best. And then um, start the day. End of the day, make sure you have a transition. The work day is now officially over. What's your transition ritual? Is it, you know, sometimes I'll take the dog for a walk or I'll talk with a friend. I'll get out in the backyard for half an hour and pull weeds or something. I need like a break, a, a transition point. You know, then, great. Go off to the evening for rest, rejuvenation, and then, you know, lather, rinse, and repeat. That's, that's uh, incredible. I, I love the idea of framing it as a transition. And I think that helps the mind as well. We're, we're moving to a different part of the day and winding down. Christine, what's one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Uh, be compassionate all the time. I don't do that and I want to. I'm working on that. I really am. Um, understanding that People are seriously doing the best they can with the resources they currently have. Not expecting them to think like I do, perform like I do, you know, et cetera. Just really meeting people where they are. And I can do that so well in my volunteer work with hospice patients. I can so well meet people where they are in the death process and help them walk through that. But I have sometimes expectations that are too high or, or inappropriate for, for people. And I find that that affects my ability to be compassionate. Yeah, I think we could all use a little bit of a dose of um, compassion <laughs> um, for others and this idea where we're giving people the benefit of the doubt and meeting them where they are. And it is a shame that we tend to uh, arrive at that too late, whether it's mm -hmm. death or the wrong time in the relationship. So something that the listeners can take away from this too is just to slow, slow, slowing down can help with the compassion as well and just remembering that people are people. So thank you for that. Mm. What's the one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate? And you've given us some nuggets and some simple things. They're profound, but they're simple to do already. But is there something else that you could share with our listeners that helps you to grow as a leader? I'm going to give you guys two things, um, one book and then one process. Um, the book by Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul. The Untethered Soul. It is a remarkable book about learning how to Stop your thoughts, manage your thoughts, become, you know, witness your emotions and your experiences without getting sucked into them. Great book. I'm reading it for my third time. <laughs> it's really profound. Um, and then next, it's our job as leaders to help others aspire to new levels and to um, 
create inspiration, help them have their own insights. So uh, one of my favorite tools to use uh, as in leadership, you can use this in a team or one-on-one. -on -one. It's a series of questions that's called the outcome frame. It helps people shift from focusing on problems to the outcome they wanna create. First question, what would you like? It's a positive outcome that you can create and maintain, not for Susie Q to change, but for me to become peaceful inside, you know, regardless of what's happening outside. So question number one, what would you like? Something you can create and maintain. Question number two, what will having that do for you? What are the benefits? How will you feel when you have that outcome? Question three, how will you know when you have it? What's the proof? What's the criteria? So you'll be able to say, yep, I got the outcome I wanted. Number four, my favorite question. Um, excuse me, number five is my favorite question. Number four, when, where, with whom do you want this? So I want this, you know, in X period of time, at work only, and with, you know, Susie Q. Question number five, what of value might you risk or lose? What side effects may occur? So to get that outcome that you said in number one, in the what would you like question, um, what, what that you value might you risk or lose? What side effects might occur? Oh shoot, I might not uh, be able to micromanage people. I might have to give up being a martyr. That's the ego question. Uh, question number five is the reason you don't have the answer to question number one. And then number six, what are your next steps? So what would you like? What will having that do for you? How will you know when you have it? Where, when, with whom do you want it? What a value might you risk or lose? Or what side effects might occur by getting it? And then number six, what are your next steps? Those are excellent questions. I, the whole notion of bringing that full circle mm. is also very powerful. The, and especially the what you might lose. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. I, I think most people do set goals. I think they want things. And through that process though so often we don't calculate what it's going to really cost whether time i find christine and and tj as well uh comfort is a big issue for many people <laughs> they, they like to be comfortable whether or not they admit it or not and i i include myself into that so it's funny i just sent my tech a text to my my three sons who wrestle and said remember um, once you start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable, you're starting to really make some growth. Now, they don't always like my little texts like that and, <laughs> and it didn't warrant a response from any of them, but I, I truly enjoy um, that framework. And I think we could use this even with students and a lot of who we work with um, and getting them to see the full circle process of this. Totally, totally. And, you know, and just just for the educators that are listening that are gasping that I dropped out of high school, um, I did negotiate my way into college. <laughs> so I am a fan of higher education. I just thought high school for me was a waste of time. It's like, okay, I've got it. I don't need to go to a bunch of football games. I'm just going to leave and go to college now. Um, and I found that, um, you know, college is a great place to grow up and to start to find out who you are. So I just wanted to say that so I didn't totally forget the educators listening. <laughs> no, we, we appreciate that. It's, it's funny though, we do spend a lot of our time um, with students trying to just simply help them identify who they are and what they're really trying to get out of this life and how they can achieve that um, and kind of quiet the noise of what they've been told and not even particularly from parents. I mean, a lot of times it's just from outside sources that they're just not even aware they're thinking um, 
and don't realize they're not thinking on their own anymore. So yeah, it's just societal pressure. Yeah, that's why. That's why really, if these if these guys read Power Your Tribe, it'll help you start to uh, separate. You are not your behaviors. Your behaviors are just stuff that you do, but you can change behaviors quite easily. So we never say somebody's a problem person. We just say, you know, Susie Q has certain behaviors that aren't really working for her. They're not helping her get what she wants. And as we start to understand our emotions and how to navigate our emotions, because 90% of our decisions, of our behaviors are driven, are dominated by our emotional brain. We have to really understand, how am I feeling right now? When I do such and such, how do I feel, right? Then the kids can go, you know what, when I do that, I don't feel good. That's feedback. You know, your emotions are feedback. Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore if we don't feel good when we do it. You know, when I do this, I feel better. Ah, let's do more of that. I want to also really point out that stress is optional. I, I really want people to get this. Stress is, is optional. Uh, we choose our emotional state. And based on our emotional state, we feel good or we feel bad. And reframing... Um, oh, it's so hard to get a job fresh out of college these days. Okay, you can say that and you'll have that experience. Or you can say, wow, it's awesome that there's a bunch of competition getting a job fresh out of college these days. I am raising the bar. I am bringing my A game to all the interviews. I am doing the most creative things I never would have thought of before due to this climate. How cool that I get to stretch and really stand out as a candidate. Reality is what you say it is. Thank you for that, Christina. You have such remarkable insight in uh, so many aspects of, you know, leadership, but a lot with life. What's one thing you used to think that you don't think anymore? Oh, see, this is so great. I, I just, I love the way you guys just like ask the questions and, and we, uh, we've just flown into them. It's perfect. And I used to really think, so back to stress, right? I used to really think that stuff was stressful. And my mom right now is going through the death process and there's a lot of, you know, complexity and stuff to deal with. And um, I'm really having a very somewhat peaceful experience with it because when my dad died and his death process, I was stressed out. And since I've been really looking at what is stress, what's it caused, stress is caused by telling ourselves stories that make us feel bad. So what is the other story you can tell? Yes, my mom is dying and that's sad and that's hard. But what about, hey, how cool that I get to help my mom have the most smooth, peaceful, loving, expansive transition possible. Wow, how cool that I am available to provide that experience for her. Whoa, this is going to be awesome. So reality is what you say it is. That's the one thing. I really get it. Stress is optional. What would you like reality to be? That's fantastic, Christine. And again, we're, you know, you have such profound insight into so many areas and our listeners are going to get a ton from that. Um, we, we, we somehow know that our stories are really impactful for others, but I do think that it's, it's really insightful to, to remember that the stories we tell ourselves are just as impactful um, on us. And so that's great leadership, um, leadership lessons for the field. So fantastic. That was a, a wonderful interview. Our listeners got a lot of simple strategies um, that they can put in place right away. Fantastic questions. 
we always say that leadership might be complex, but it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. Is there anything else that you would like to add today for our listeners, just as a last thought? Yes. So two things. So be sure to go to Power Your Tribe, and you'll see a bunch of little videos there. You can get your team, your family, your friends together. You can watch those videos, and together you can build your emotional resilience. Let's make it fun. Let's learn together. And then separately, and they're little baby short ones, you know, five to 10 minutes. So micro learnings, which is really, really helpful for the brain. One little nugget at a time. And then separately, go to workwithsti.com and just tell us what you're most interested in so we can send you the right resources, leadership, culture, sales and marketing, whatever area you want to apply neuroscience to, workwithsti.com. Use these tools. That's the thing I would say. Get a coach, use these tools, and create the reality that you want because what you've been doing has been working to a degree. But if you feel like you're ready to stretch, now's the time. Jump on board. That was awesome. There you have it. Another great podcast with Christine Comerford. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series on how we develop powerful and smart tribes. Thank you for joining us.